0: We're back to our series, It Is Well With My Soul. We see how important a well was in Bible times, especially in a desert climate. It provided the very essence of life. But what's amazing about these stories in the Bible that contain a a well, there's also a spiritual significance in these stories as well. Something that's going on that the Lord wants to teach us. There's a symbolic meaning. And so the question is, and you don't have to raise your hand or, or answer, but Can you say it is well with your soul right now? No matter how difficult life gets, and life can be hard, the things we have to endure, it's amazing what people go through in this life, but no matter how difficult life may be, we can still say and know that it is well with our soul. It's about our soul care and and taking care of ourselves and what God has said In his word. And so I want to I want to minister to each of us about our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. For the sake of review, we see that in the life of Isaac, the Philistines, which was a nation that was a perennial enemy of Israel, stopped up all the wells that Abraham and dug, and Isaac therefore had to seek and to dig new wells of his own. Now remember it was very physically demanding to dig a well in that climate. And so after all his father's wells were plugged up, Isaac dug his own, and, and they dug a fresh new well and struck water. However, other herdsmen in the area claimed it as their own. They hadn't done the work, they hadn't done the digging, but they claimed the well as their own. And so they quarreled with Isaac and his men over the water rights. And because of the conflict and quarreling and contention, Isaac named the well Essek, which means the well of dispute. And here is the difficult reality... There will be times of conflict, quarreling, and contention and dispute in our lives. And we have a choice. When we come up against that conflict and that contention, we can fight back or we can move on. And that's what Isaac decided to do. He moved on and dug another well. And once again, he struck water. And once again, he faced opposition. And so he named this well Sitna, which means the well of opposition, accusation, or hostility. In the world, and sometimes even in Christianity, we will face times of opposition and false accusations. And none of us like that. And when Isaac faced this, he didn't pay back. He just moved on and left it in the hands of God. And so if we meet that opposition and false accusation, we just need to move on and leave it in the hands of God and go and dig another well in another place. And so after digging two wells, Isaac is undeterred and he digs a third well. And this one he names Reboeth, which means the well of room, spaciousness or wide open spaces. There was no contention in this well. And God wants us to, to give us room to flourish. But if we encounter conflict and quarreling, we need to keep digging. We need to continue to be faithful to God. And Isaac was faithful to God. And God rewarded that. And so the story picks up from there in Genesis 26, verse 23 From there, Isaac went up to Beersheba. And that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. And Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And there he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. Because Isaac persisted. And because he trusted God, something amazing happened. God gave Isaac certain promises and assurances. And I believe that we can claim these promises and assurance for our own lives as well. So the Lord appeared to Isaac after digging all these wells, after trusting the Lord, the Lord appears to him. And the Lord reminded Isaac that he is the God of his father, Abraham. He said, the Lord is God, not was. The Lord is God. And so the Lord said this to Isaac, and I believe he is saying the same thing to us as well today. Number one, do not be afraid. Now that seems simple, and we hear it often, but there is so much truth in this. If we can just live it, if we can just make it a part of our life. Last year I shared with you that over a hundred times in the Bible God tells us do not fear or do not be afraid or fear not. And the reason God has written that so many times is because he knew that we would struggle with fear. Even as believers, even as those who know and follow God, there are still going to be times that we struggle with fear. And I believe we're especially a target of the evil one. Satan wants to stir up fear in our hearts, especially with Christians, so he can unsettle our peace in the Lord. And so God knew this. God knew that we would struggle with fear. And that's why he tells us a hundred times, do not fear. Now we may see that's easier said than done. So in his word, he has given us guidance and he has given us instruction and he's given us a way to overcome the fears that come into our life. For example, look with me at Psalm 56 verses three and four. When I am afraid, I will trust in you in God, whose word I praise in God, I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Do we see the contrast here between fear and trust? The psalmist says, when I'm afraid, I'm going to put my trust in God. That's what we have to do during those times of fear. We have to change our mindset, change our outlook. We've got to overcome what we're feeling and profess with our mouth that we trust in the Lord. We have to retrain ourselves and our thinking to put our trust in God. The antidote for fear is faith. The way we overcome anxiety is to trust in the Lord. Now, I believe there seems to be a surge and a tsunami of fear and anxiety overwhelming people today. Overpowering and crushing fear will mark the last days. The the fact that there is a, a wave of fear... An anxiety and worry that is is really sweeping the globe. Especially with the pandemic and the the fears that has stirred up in people. The Bible says that an increase of fear will be an indicator of the last days. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 verse 25 through 28. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Listen to verse 26. Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. I love the King James. Thy redemption draweth nigh. It just sounds cooler with all the THs in there. And so what are we supposed to do? We, I, I believe this is a sign of the end times. There's a wave of fear sweeping the earth. And it's coming from Satan. He is stirring up fear in the hearts of people and especially believers. And so what Jesus said, when you see that wave of fear, lift up your heads, for your redemption is coming soon. How many are ready to meet Jesus? I'll come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'd love it to be today. Bless God. And so we, we believe these things. We know that the Bible teaches these signs. And one of the examples is men's hearts will fail them because of fear and what is coming upon the on the earth. And this fear and anxiety are afflicting so many people, including Christians. And I want to share that even I have battled it at times. I'll never forget when I had the first panic attack in my life. I did not know what was going on. I thought I was having a heart attack. And I had never experienced this before. And here I am, a a believer for many, many years. And I've served the Lord all this time. And I never had, had experienced anything like this in my life. And so it's it's a challenge for me as well. I I want to be transparent with you today. If you're struggling, if you've ever struggled with anxiety or fear, you're not alone. Your own pastor has battled that at times. And yet we know that we we have to look to God's word for the answer. And we can take comfort in this promise. I have taken comfort in this promise right here in Isaiah 43 verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What a promise that is. I'm telling you, if if you're battling anxiety, fear, worry, read that scripture. Quote that scripture. Memorize that scripture. Because there's power in the Word. And what we see here is that God is not going to bring us out of things or over or under. He's going to take us through them. Now that's something we may not always like. You have to understand, He's going to take you through the floods. There's going to be floods. There's going to be fires, and God is going to bring us through them. Rarely does he bring us around them. We have to go through. We will go through difficult times. We will go through floodwaters. We will go through the fire. We will go through trials and tribulations. However, we do not have to fear, because we will not be swept away, and we will not be burned or set ablaze. We have this promise and we have to hold on to it with God that he has has said to you and me, do not be afraid. Fear not. You will go through these things, but you will not be burned. You will not drown. In addition, when we go through the floods and the fires and the tribulations of life, we have this promise. Number two, God is with you. This is what I love. Yeah, we have to go through the fire, but we don't go through it alone. We go through the floods, but we're not alone. God is with us. This is so amazing. I mean, think about it. It's it's one of the names for God. Emmanuel, God with us. God is even using his name to encourage us that we are never alone. God says, I am with you multiple times in Scripture. And it's often connected with the words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because I am with you. This is what God says many times in the Bible. Now, when Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, he was just a young man, maybe even been a teenager. And God called him. He said, I'm going to make you a prophet to Judah and you're going to prophesy to him and they're not going to listen. I mean, how's that for the call of God? God calls you and he says, and you're you're going to look like a failure because I'm going to call you to go preach and nobody's going to listen. There's nobody's going to answer the altar call. Nobody's going to put you on Facebook and a bunch of likes. In fact, you're going to get a bunch of unlikes. And so this is Jeremiah's calling. You're going to go to these people. They're not going to listen to you, but you're still going to preach my word. And so Jeremiah was understandably afraid. He says, "I I don't know if I want to do this. I'm just a kid, he said. Nice try. Never works with God. Doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Your age will not get you out of the call of God. And so here he is, and this is what, he's, this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and will rescue you, declares the Lord. There it is again. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Here's another example. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear. Why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There is something about the presence of God in our life that calms us. When we, we know that the Lord is with us. Now, I want to distinguish between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. One of the characteristics of God is that He's omnipresent, which means He's everywhere, everywhere. At the same time, there's nowhere you can go that God is not there. He is everywhere. And so that is His omnipresence. It's one of the characteristics of God. But His manifest presence is those times where we really sense His presence being with us. In times of worship, there were times where God would come down in fire or come down in a cloud. It was the manifest presence of God. Though God is everywhere at the same time, there are those times where He reveals Himself To you and to me, and and I know you've felt it in times of worship, in times of deep prayer, you've sensed the peace of God, the Holy Spirit in your life, and that's what we need. We need more of the presence of God in our life. We need more worship, more prayer, more time before the Lord, because when we are in His presence, His Spirit calms our soul. It's the presence of God that helps us not be afraid. There's something about that presence that calms our fears. And I'm here to tell you that God is with you. And we can seek His face. And we can know that His presence can take away our fears. Knowing and believing God is with us helps us overcome our fear. And there is something so reassuring about the presence of God. There's just something powerful That God does a work in our hearts spiritually and in our soul and makes it well with our soul. Even if things aren't going well out here, He can make it well with our soul by His presence. Because as long as God is with us, who can be against us? We have to believe this. We have to confess it. We know it. Another promise that God gave to Isaac that He also gives to us is this. Number three, He will... Bless you. Now we speak a lot about blessings, but do you understand that it's, this word "bless" is mentioned over 330 times in the Old Testament alone? I'm telling you, if God repeats something, He He means it for a reason. And if 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 bless is mentioned that many times, over 300 times, how many know God believes in blessing His people? There's something about a blessing. God blesses us to be a blessing to others as well. It keeps flowing that way. But the word bless in the Hebrew is Barak. And it literally means to kneel or to bend the knee. It has the idea of kneeling down to someone who is smaller or inferior. And so when God blesses us, how many know He's kneeling down to our level? He is reaching out to us. And the Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary says this. It further defines the word "bless." To bless is the act of declaring or wishing God's favor and goodness upon others. The blessing is not only the good effect of words, it also has the power to bring them to pass. There's power in the blessing. God also blesses people by giving life, riches, fruitfulness, or plenty. His greatest blessing is turning us from evil and forgiving our sin. Now while material blessings are wonderful... It's just—it's great to have material blessings, but those are temporary. They're not going to last forever. But the greatest blessings are the spiritual blessings. Our sins are forgiven. We're going to heaven. Jesus died for us and rose from the dead. Those are the blessings that money could never buy. And those are the blessings God wants to give us. When he bends down, he bends the knee and comes into our world with his presence. God takes the blessing very seriously. He takes it so seriously that he told Aaron, the high priest, and his sons, this is how you are to bless the people. God was so serious about blessing, he required the priests to bless the people. And he said, this is how you do it. God said to do this. There's power in this when the spiritual authority speaks of blessing over the people. God instituted this. And this may sound familiar to you. Let me read it. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. That's part of the blessing is putting God's name on his people, that he calls us by name, that we bear his name. That is the blessing. And God was so serious about the blessing that he commanded the priest. Now, I'm not a priest and I'm I'm just a pastor, but it'll have to do. But when I speak that blessing over you every Sunday, I mean it. And I believe there's power in it. If you receive it from the Lord, there are blessings that we don't even know about what God has done for us. But I believe we should should expect and desire God's blessing in our life. Because He teaches it prolifically in the Word of God. Even in the New Testament, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, there's, there's the blessing of God in our lives. I believe when I speak the blessing over you as your pastor, I believe it means something. And changes things for the good. And there's another thing that God vowed to Isaac. Number four. You will increase. God promised Isaac he would increase the number of his descendants for the sake of his servant Abraham. Now this was very important in that day. The bigger the family you had, the better off you were. And it was a fulfillment of blessing. And God is fulfilling his promises to Isaac that he made to Abraham his father. Some of the promises God has made to you, he will fulfill in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. Which is even better, right? I mean, we want to be blessed, but we really want our kids to be blessed and our grandchildren to be blessed. And so God's keeping promises he made to Abraham, he's fulfilling those promises to Isaac. And from the beginning, God has called upon his people to increase. There's something about that, that he commands to be fruitful and to increase. Let's look at some different examples of this. Adam and Eve, from the beginning. Genesis one twenty-eight. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He also spoke it over Noah's family after the flood. Look at Genesis 9, 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. When God changed Jacob's name to Israel, he spoke a blessing in Genesis thirty-five, eleven, And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. When the Israelites were about to enter the promised land, God reminds them again of this call to increase. Leviticus 26 verse 9. God says, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. And I will keep my covenant with you. When Israel and Judah sinned and went into captivity, when God brought them back, he spoke another blessing over them. Jeremiah 23 verse 3. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. Do you see how many times God says to be fruitful and to increase? Now, I know this this primarily meant have a bunch of kids, you know, grow your family. But that's not just the increase God is talking about. God wants to bring increase in our life, in your job, in your schooling. Whatever you're doing, God expects you to be fruitful and effective. Now, we don't follow the world's model of success. The world's model of success is all about numbers, stepping on people, getting... It's all about selfishness. The world's model of success is self-centered. But God's model is very different. It's about being fruitful, being faithful, and being effective. And God has called us to that, whatever we're in, in our marriage in our family, as a parent. Whatever we do, God wants you to increase. We see it in the New Testament as well, to be fruitful and to increase. Second Corinthians nine ten through 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. We see, again, the call of God to be fruitful. But we have to remember this. In order for us to be the most fruitful, it requires pruning. And there are times where we feel like we're decreasing. We're not increasing. We're like... What's happening, God? Where's the promise? Things are not going well. Instead of increasing, I feel like I'm decreasing. I want you to know many of those times that feel like decrease, it's pruning. God is cutting away the branches, the dead branches. He even removes some healthy branches to make room for more fruitfulness. So if you're not feeling the increase, trust that God is doing the pruning so you can increase in your life. So you can be in a place to receive what God has for you. Believe God. For a blessing. Ask him for increase. Yes, the Lord will bless you and you will increase. However, there's something we must do as well. We have a part in this. Many times the promises of God were conditional upon the obedience of his people. God says, I'm going to bless you if you follow me. And many times the people missed out on the blessing because they walked in disobedience to God. I do want to share with you, it's important, because sometimes we wonder, where, where is the increase? Where are the blessings? There's something we are responsible for that will prepare the way for God's favor in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Is there anyone here today that has never given their life to Jesus Christ? Or maybe you have, but you've walked away. Today is the day to give your life back to God. Or to come to God for the first time. And the Bible says you have to believe. Believe in Jesus. Put your faith, your hope, your future in Jesus. Believe that He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross for our sins and He rose from the dead. And you have to receive the Lord into your heart to make Him the Lord of your life, to surrender all to Him. But I'm telling you, when you surrender all, what God does is more than we could ever imagine. As your pastor, I've, I shared with you last Sunday, just a little bit behind the curtain, that when I step into this pulpit every Sunday, I feel a great and a grave responsibility. I strive to preach my heart out to you every Sunday, but there are times where I'm preaching and I'm dying inside because I'm human. I'm just like you. and. I struggle with anxiety and fear at times and doubt. The very things that you do as well. It's understandable that Satan would attack the the shepherd to scatter the sheep. And so I share that with you just to be transparent. And that you know you're not alone. And I pray for you and I ask you to pray for me. But if you're here today and you're struggling with fear... You're struggling with anxiety or worry. I want to pray for you today. I want to, by faith, proclaim something over you today. And so, if that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm dealing with those things. Would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place? You're struggling with those things. Amen. You can put it right back down. I want you to know, by raising your hand, you took a step of faith. You took a step of faith. You put your trust in God by raising your hand. If you're battling any kind of these things, I do not believe it's the place where God wants us to be permanently. We go through these seasons, but we can be set free. Sometimes it's a daily struggle, a daily battle, but God will bring the victory. So I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, you saw those who raised their hands. They're battling fear, they're battling anxiety, or worry, or dread. Or God, I I know that you care. And Lord, we ask for your presence. God, we need your presence. Even Moses wouldn't go to the promised land without your presence. Lord, we don't want to go anywhere without your presence. Lord, may we sense your spirit, your peace, Lord. God, may your comfort just settle over us. May we know that you are near. God, that you will never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And you will bring us through this fire. You will bring us through these floodwaters. We will not be drowned. We will not be burned. The enemy's a liar. He's trying to tell us this is it. You're never going to overcome this. You'll never be free of this. He's a liar. So God, we choose you. We trust in you. I will not be afraid because I trust in you. Lord, we put our hope. We renew our hope in you. Each day, every day, we will trust you. We will choose to trust you. We will not be the slave of our feelings, but we will be submit them to our master. So, Father, I thank you for these promises. I thank you that you are with us, that you will bless us, Lord. And we give you the glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Here it is, the blessing. God told the priest, say this over the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.